This is that Loopy Chick, and I am back again with another episode of Wake Up Loopy. I am really, really, really branching out outside of my nerdism or my blurtism or my anime books and all of that jazz. I'm really branching out to um, to ask uh, or not ask to learn or talk to a friend of mine about cooking. He loves cooking and I love food, so I feel like this would be great for me to have him on. So today I will be having on Michael and he will be t- we will be talking about food. Now, how how deep into food? I don't know. I may even bring up Food Wars the anime because <laughs> that's who I am. But like we definitely going to be discussing food that you can chow down on and eat. And he was supposed to come over and cook after we talked about food because, you know, I'm going to be hungry after we talk about this. But, you know. Uh, that COVID life, that COVID life ain't fun. And so he don't got COVID. I don't got COVID, but it could have been possible at some point. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and introduce him. Uh, Michael, go ahead and, int- well, I'm going to bring him in. And Michael, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, go ahead. Eh, ain't too much special about me. Like she said, my name is Michael and I'm just a blurred that just cooks food, play video games and just kind of keeps to himself. Nobody's special. I'm just like the next person. I mean, we are, we're all special in our own way, Michael. Like, <laughs> nobody else I know has the patience to make ramen. I mean, it it, it was some <laughs> factors that got me to that point. But, you know, that's what we're here for today. We're going to get into that. Yes, yes, yes. Let's dive into the first thing that you feel like was like the first thing that you felt was challenging for you to cook. What was that? Funny, but for me, like when it comes to cooking, it's actually like the interest started at a young age, actually. Like, you know, not to say that I'm super duper old now. I'm 30. Are you old? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the whole reason I got into cooking was honestly because of my mom. So, like, when I was a little kid, like, you know how it is, you outside and you know, you riding bikes or playing basketball or doing whatever you do as a kid. And then, you know, you come home and mom didn't cook dinner. And uh, I don't know why, because my mom cook a lot of stuff. Michael? Hello? I can now. Sorry, guys. We just had a little bit of technical difficulties. Difficulties. We gonna. Um, I'm not going to edit that out, but you know, just bear with us. You said you're. Uh, you were discussing how your mom cooks. Yeah. Uh, okay. I guess that's where I dropped out at. So yeah, like my mom cooks a lot, and uh, I don't know why, because my mom cooks a lot of things. But like as a child, like the one thing that always stuck out to me was grilled turkey and cheese like i don't know it's just something about it that was like mind-blowing to me as a child and like even in my teen years and like that's that's when my little journey started like in regards to cooking like i remember it like yesterday like my mom left to go to the grocery store i woke up was hungry and was like, yo, some grilled turkey and cheese will fucking be fire right now. And with 
absolutely no knowledge on how to cook this. I go in the kitchen and grab a skillet. I put some cheese, some meat, some bread together. I turn my stove, my gas stove, I would like to add on high heat, threw this damn sandwich in a skillet and almost burnt the house down. <laughs> well, <laughs> aren't we all happy that you've grown from that moment in your life? Oh my God. <laughs> like, you ain't put no butter down. You didn't put no oil down. Nothing. Like, not, like, I don't know how to cook. I just know that I want this sandwich. And it's so funny because my, uh, my mom came in like mid session while I'm getting ready to damn near burn a house down without, <laughs> without realizing it. And, uh, you know, she came in and she basically, you know, she, of course, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you finna burn the goddamn kitchen. But, like, after all of that, she threw away my burnt sandwich, <laughs> washed out the skillet, and she showed me how to cook it. And from there, like, I just spent more time in it, like, regardless of what she was cooking. Like, I would just kind of watch her and just, you know learn from observing <laughs> like first of all boy what we gonna do is put some oil or butter in the skillet because you're not gonna get far without that that's that's what we're gonna do first <laughs> <laughs> is that kind of how that went because I, I envision in my mind that's how that went. oh yeah it's uh it's pretty spot on definitely <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so beyond uh, the turkey and cheese sandwich <laughs> failure, after you started cooking, what was what was the uh, first thing that you tackled? Mm. Quesadillas, actually. So, like after after I learned how to do the uh, the grilled turkey and cheese or actually no now that I think about it the quesadillas was second it was actually fried chicken that was the that was the <laughs> see you got me beat on that <laughs> you got me beat there I can I I lose my black heart sometimes every time I open my mouth <laughs> but I cannot fry chicken and you know but it's hmm? so funny but I'm sorry but no go ahead you said so you can't fry chicken I can't in my defense uh -huh. In my defense, um, growing up with my mom, she was frying. She was frying something on an electric stove, right? And it was this big fire. So she made the she she said we we're never going to fry anything on an electric stove. <laughs> well, excuse me. For a long time, we had an electric stove, so my mom just stopped frying things and she started baking everything. Okay. And so. Then by the time we did get a gas stove, we just didn't bake it. I mean, we just didn't fry it at that point. We just baked everything. And then my grandma, who is what I've learned a decent amount of cooking from, mm -hmm. <clears throat> my grandma never has a set recipe or she never had a set recipe. She always, everything was like doing it as, oh, this will taste good here. So that's, that's the kind of cooking that I learned how to do. Yeah. So I don't have no recipes in my head. I just have what goes with stuff and what tastes good to me and my family. But um, 
back to the frying of chicken. So by the time uh, I was really getting into cooking, my grandma was past the point where she was frying chicken. To my grandma, frying chicken is too much work when I can easily go to the store and buy cooked chicken that's about the same price as it would be for me to cook this chicken. So my grandma fried chicken every once in a while. Like if she had to really be in the mood for it. And I never I never got the chance to catch her when she was in the mood. It, it would be so random. <laughs> and so I never caught on to how to fry chicken. So one time I attempted to fry chicken for uh for someone that I was dating and he had to come in there and fix it all. <laughs> Cuz I I was messing up so bad. But I wanted to I wanted to do it cuz I know he liked fried chicken and I wanted to do that for yeah. him. But I should have just baked it, cause that's what I that's what I know how to yeah. do. Uh, so um, what if if you were teaching somebody how to fry chicken, what would be the first thing you tell them? You know, there's an argument about this going on, you know, in the media, on the internet, and like every other place where human interaction happens. But like, there's this debate on whether you should wash your meat or not before you cook it. I would start there, like you know, so many people will just. Yeah, you dropped out. So many people would just what? So many people would just like get into the habit of busting open a meat pack without like rinsing off the meat. So I would start there. Like, you know, like say I'm getting ready to fry some chicken right now or like a friend wants to, a friend wants their house and fry chicken. You know, of course, we're going to do the obvious. We're going to go to the grocery store and pick up the chicken. Otherwise, we can't cook. And when we get back home, it's like step one, wash off the chicken. Because, I mean, you're not necessarily looking to deep clean the meat per se, but there's like chemicals and residue on it. And So that debate that you're talking about, I've actually done both in like when it comes to just baking chicken, of course you rinse off the mm-hmm. chicken, but I've, I've actually hesitated at rinsing off the chicken because like you said, there's a huge debate about the fact that it causes more, it causes uh, a higher chance of bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that's true. If you don't do it right, like some people, cause you know, like at the core of it, like the whole bacteria thing, for example, you're not really helping yourself if you're cooking you're if you're getting ready to rinse off some chicken and you just like throw it in the sink that you just got done doing whatever in you could have been washing some dishes and you could have like soap residue in there still I know some black families like to wash their hair at the kitchen sink is like you know there might be chemicals from that and like bacteria falling from their skin and stuff so it's it's a it's a method to like washing the chicken off too like for me like I don't just throw it in the sink I get like a colander or a strainer and you kind of rinse it off like that once again you're not deep cleaning the chicken per se you're just, you know, you're getting off the the surface material. Because, I mean, anything prepackaged in terms of meat isn't going to just be 100% clean and ready to go. You're definitely right. And that is, if you, if you guys don't know, you can also buy 
a strainer and a, and a bowl together. Like they make combo packages, oh. and you just put the chicken in the strainer, and it'll go into the whether you want to do it into a bowl or whether you want to do it do the strainer into the sink. I mean, either way, it works. Yeah. And so um, that's definitely. And you say step two after you clean the chicken, get your chicken all ready. So step two, when you want to fry chicken, honestly, when you want to fry bake anything but especially in the realm of chicken rather it's frying or rather it's baking moisture is the enemy so you want to get that chicken dry before you even take the next step so like if you got to get a bunch of paper towels and like pat them dry like for me like after i get done like washing them out i will uh like when I'm cooking chicken wings, when I get done, like washing all the chicken wings, I will grab them each individually and I would wrap them in like a couple layers of paper towels and just like squeeze out all that excess liquid and just pat them real dry. So that's, that's step two. Like if you don't, if you don't dry your chicken, then when you get to the frying process, like you're gonna have some soggy wings, bro, and nobody likes that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, step you said step one clean, step yep. two dry, step three. So step three is kind of where it gets fun because this is where chicken takes on its many characteristics. Seasoning. Mm, yummy in my tummy. Ooh, next time you cook chicken for the tribe, lemon pepper. I was thinking that, honestly. Like, just like next week sometime, because I'm off from my job Tuesday. I was like, I might cook some lemon pepper wings. I ain't had none since last year. But, yeah, the next step would be seasoning. And it's like, at that point, it's whatever you make of it. Like, there's so many different seasonings that you can use. You can Use just your basic salt and pepper if you want to. Me personally, if I'm basic fried chicken, like nothing, nothing too special, nothing too different. My basic go-to seasonings is usually pretty simple. Like most black households, I will grab some seasoning salt. Some Lowry's. <laughs> yep, some Lowry's. <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> some black pepper, garlic powder, onion powder. And since I started cooking Asian dishes, I was kind of hesitant about it at first, but after doing a little bit of research, I got comfortable with it. I'll, I'll add a little bit of MSG, just like a dash, because MSG is it's powerful, so you don't need a lot of it. But I'll add a little bit of MSG every now and again. Man, that sounds yummy. <laughs> okay, so I got you all the way down to this part with the yeah. seasoning. My issue comes in with the 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 flouring and the frying. Oh. Because I didn't know I was supposed to put flour in the grease as I fried the chicken. No, you don't have to do that. I don't do that. Okay, so what happened was uh, I got skinless... What, did I get the right... I think I had the right chicken. I had the skinless chicken, right? Like the skinless chicken breast? Okay. Yeah. 
And so what I did was I uh I followed all the steps in the recipe okay. with the milk and the the flouring process and all of that jazz. Nope. And the, the the mixture, the it was a mixture that I was doing. That's what it was. Is this like southern fried, like buttermilk fried chicken. Yes, it was a lemon pepper buttermilk fried Ooh, chicken. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it was supposed to be like lemon pepper and honey chicken or something nice. like that. And so I did everything exactly how she said do it. Where I ran into the issue was was frying the actual chicken. Like the chicken, it wasn't like the the stuff kept coming off the chicken the or whatever falling off. it was the uh, flour kept falling off I'm guessing when you put yeah okay um it could be a number of reasons why that happened let me let me ask you this when you was putting it in the grease right mm-hmm. how many pieces were you putting in at a time I think about two, two or three. three. Were they like big pieces? No, it was. It was. They were about smaller. smaller. Were they like kind of like budding up against each other when they were sitting in the grease? Not at Not all. At okay, all. That's good. So, yeah, I say that definitely wasn't the reason. Um. Oh, it was boneless too. I believe. Okay. So it was boneless. Uh, that shouldn't affect it too much. Do you feel the grease was hot enough when you put it in there? Because, okay. Yep, it was hot. Hmm. It's exactly like, and so he what what happens is he started putting flour in yeah. the grease, and then like it started cooking, and it wasn't cooking right either. And then it started cooking right. He's like, you gotta turn that heat up some more. And he said, even I said it's hot enough. He said, yeah, it is hot. Well, while, while it's cooking and it's doing all this, you got to turn this up some more. We're going to throw some flour in there. And he threw some flour in there. And I was like, I could have just baked this shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this as a, as a disclaimer while we're on the topic of cooking. I'm still learning things every day. Like, you know, I'm still learning from my small mistakes that I do make here and there. I'm no professional by no means. But in my in my experience in the past, when it comes to frying chicken of any sort, like I've ran into that issue where skin would be coming off or breading or the flour would come off when I put it in a grease. And more often than not, what I've discovered is my grease wasn't exactly up to temperature. And my chicken wasn't necessarily up to temperature either. Because that's another thing, too. Like, a lot of people think you could just fry chicken, rather it's cold or, like, typically, like, you want to let whatever you're getting ready to fry, you want to let it get down to room temperature. Like, that's something that a lot of people... No, you guys, but yeah, like a lot of people overlook that they don't let whatever they're getting ready to deep fry, rather it's chicken or I've seen some people deep fry steak, which is strange, but you know, to his his own, you can do anything with food. But this is why America is (laughs) these are facts, but uh, they don't let it get to room temperature and. 
You know, if it's not at room temperature, when you drop it in that grease, you know, you're going to run into a multitude of things like, you know, the breading might fall off or, you know, it might cook real fast on the outside and then internally it's still raw. You can start a fire. It's a lot of stuff that can happen when you when you skip small steps like that. Okay, I see you. I see you. I did not know that the chicken had to be room temperature. That that's one thing I didn't know at all. <laughs> so that's something I learned right there. Um, but I am considering, not even considering, there are two things that I would like to buy okay. from my kitchen. And the first thing that I would like to buy is I would like to buy an air Highly fryer. Highly recommend. So I can cook in there versus with the the, the whole grease and all of yeah, that, I was right? I saying, like, I've had air fryer chicken, and I will tell you, like, if you're looking for a healthier <laughs> alternative, air fryer chicken is where it's at because you literally follow every step that you would when it comes to frying chicken with the exception of throwing it in the grease. You're just putting it in an air fryer. I've done it. It works. Yes. I was I was looking at getting a deep fryer for a long time because I really wanted to learn mm-hmm. how to fry chicken. <laughs> I just felt like it was something that I should know how to do. So I was looking for at first I was looking for a deep fryer for the longest time, but then I saw all these people all, all of these people and the reviews. It's like the cleaning process with the the deep fryers are not simple. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally uh air fryers yeah. became a thing. And I didn't I just didn't have any space in that you saw how tiny <laughs> my kitchen was. I didn't have the space for it, but now um now yeah. where I am. I'm going to give me an air fryer, uh, air fryer and an Instapot. I've been wanting to get an Instapot for a while. That's, that's the one thing I don't have right now is an Instapot. I need an Instapot real bad for the stuff that I'll be cooking. But got the air fryer. I highly recommend it. It's very versatile. can make a lot of healthy foods. And it's like... The best way I can describe it, and just because this is how I see it, it doesn't make it right. But imagine if an oven and a microwave had a love child and you got an air fryer. That's the best way I can explain it. It's the best of both worlds because I love microwaves, but they're not necessarily the best thing for your food. They're convenient, but there's uh, that's a topic in and of itself, man. There's a lot of dangers that come with using a microwave. Exactly. It's so much like think about think about I'm gonna make me a can of green beans. I'm gonna take this can of green beans out of here, which is already not healthy because you're eating a can yep. of green beans. But if that's what you mm-hmm. got, that's what you got. Take this can of green beans, put it in a bowl, put some butter and seasoning on it. Then I'm going to put it in the microwave. You know how you're eating those green Mm -hmm. beans to be healthy? Goodbye, nutrition. You just killed them with the microwave. Yep. So what you do is you go to the grocery store, get some fresh green beans, season that up, oil it up, put it in the air fryer. Now you got some nice, crispy, delicious vegetables, and you still... Got all your vitamins, got all the healthy stuff that you're trying to get from yep. it in there. 
And that is why I'm getting getting me an air fryer. My godmom just got herself an air fryer. And she's like, oh, babe, come on. We're going to the store. I'm going to go get some chicken. And I'm going to cook it in my air fryer. She said, goodbye, Wingstop. I'm not ordering no more wings for you. I got an air fryer. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's her exact words. <laughs> I t- I, when I tell you I come from the most goofiest the most goofiest people raised me and, and it completely explains my a lot of who I am <laughs> but what, back to what we were talking about which we were talking about frying chicken and um, so when you so you gave step one clean step two dry step three season step four now let's talk about your flowering process what sh- everybody has a I noticed that everyone has something a little different that they so- do it's so funny because there have been instances where I would combine step, you know, I would combine step three with the flowering process. But since we're just talking about flower, uh, my mom always taught me to, you know, just your basic all-purpose flower. I'll put it in a grocery bag, like a Walmart bag. I probably have like two of them just so no flour like leaks out the first one and get all over the counter and stuff. But fill up a bag with some flour and then I'll toss them wings in there and just like shake it up real good to get it covered in that flour. Okay, okay. So do you ever put, so you said you like to combine the seasoning and flour process. So do you season the chicken and season the flour or do you sometimes just season the flour and put the chicken in the flour? And do you, do you just put the chicken in the flour or you said moisture is not your friend. So do you ever do a, like a, um, a, a milk or a cream buttermilk dip? And then put it in the flour. I have in the past. Like I did buttermilk chicken. I did it one time. And it was like back in. When was that? I want to say it was back in like 2018. Like back in 2018, I did buttermilk fried chicken. But uh, I'll say like it depends on how I'm feeling that day. Honestly, I have some days where I will after, you know, washing my chicken and patting it dry. I have some days where I will get my flour and then add my seasonings to that and then just put the chicken in and shake it up. And then I have other days where I just season the chicken and I don't add nothing to the flour. I just season up the chicken real good, put it in the bag with the flour and shake it all up. Cause you know, at the end of the day, the flour and the seasoning, they're going to combine at some point. It doesn't matter how you go about it. It's going to happen one way or another. And if, if it's all said and done, if you cook your chicken oh. and it's still not seasoned to where you want it to be, it's okay. You can season it afterwards as well. It's just not going. Yes. It's just going to be on the it's surface. It's not going to be like deep in it. So I, I agree with that. And that's when you'd be like, okay, now how can I fix this? Let's toss this in some some uh, some <laughs> yep. sauce. I, t- I tell people <laughs> that all the time. Like you know, they like I've had friends come to me and they be like, you know, 
I feel like my chicken don't really be seasoned well enough. And it's like, well, you know, you can add some seasoning after the fact, like it's going to be on the surface, but it'll be there. And if you don't want to do that, just use a sauce. Like, I'm glad you're like one of the few people who understands the importance of sauce. Like if you don't season your chicken good enough, get your favorite sauce. <laughs> sauce on everything everything even if it's a thin sauce <laughs> I like the sauce <laughs> no you're okay sorry <laughs> as far as I'm concerned this is a safe space you And you know, I aim to cre- I aim to create those. That that is a goal of mine. I I I like to create safe uh, safe spaces. <clears throat> now, I have a question for you because I as, as you guys can hear, I have really bad sinus issues. I've been working on getting rid of, getting rid of this sinus infection for about two months now. So that's why you you hear little things in the podcast. But um. I am wanting to make a, a honey glaze uh-huh. for my chicken, right? <clears throat> so, in my experience, do you know how I create my honey how do you glaze? Know about it. I season what I put whatever uh, like a garlic in it, and then I uh or whatever I put uh-huh. garlic on top of what I'm doing, and. And then I drizzle yeah. the honey on it. And then I put garlic on top of that. Uh, so garlic before and then garlic after. And then you know what else I do? I put it in the freaking oven and just let it mm. seep in. So my question is, my my method is not the best method, but it definitely tastes mm-hmm. delicious to my taste buds. What would you, how would you go about making a honey glaze for chicken? I usually do it on the stove top of the pot. So you get a little bit of honey, uh, some lemon zest never hurts. But I mean, some people might not be looking for that strong lemony taste. So you can leave it out. And uh, not a lot because, you know, honey is a thick substance. So I don't add, like when I put my honey in there, I might add like a little bit of water or maybe like a dab of vinegar. But I typically do my glaze on a on a stove top. It's been like the honey glazed chicken in the past. And that's how I go about mm-hmm. it. Just a little bit of honey in a pot on a on a low a low heat. Like I don't have it like, you know, running super high. Cause I mean honey's thick. Like you cook it at a high temperature, you run the risk of it burning and sticking to your pot and you don't want that. You just wanna Want to soften up the honey a little bit. So what you're saying is, I'm just honey drizzling my chicken. I ain't glazing no, I shit. Say, like, I'm just drizzling. <laughs> and if I glaze it, I mean, like, after I make it on the stove top, I'll get a brush, and I'll just kind of, like, brush it on there. Mm. It sounds yummy in my tummy. This is why I got a rotisserie chicken teriyaki flavor Ooh. sitting right by me. Um, <laughs> I got, I got problems. Either. I like Everybody food. Loves food. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. 
facts. Yesterday, I made the best pot roast that I had ever made in my life. And all I did was put it in a crock pot and season it. And I put a little bit of, uh, before I put it in the crock pot, or before I started the crock pot, I put a little bit of steak, uh, steak sauce uh-huh. over everything. Not a whole lot. and um, But just a little bit. Along to go along with whatever seasoning I put in there, some garlic powder, yeah. onion powder, and all that jazz. Put all of that in there, and then um, and then when it was done, I I put a little salt in there, and oh man, that was so good. I say, it made your soul feel good when you take that first bite, don't it? Yes, like to anybody else, like I'm yeah. obsessed with steak sauce, right? I have a, like, even if a steak doesn't need steak sauce, which anyone who makes you a really good steak and take, yeah. takes pride in their steak, they're going to get pissed off if you put steak sauce on it. Let's just start there. But I put steak sauce on eggs. Leave me <laughs> alone. So, <laughs> so some people will taste that yeah. tank, extra tang that I put in there and, like, be like, What's this extra tang? I'd be like, it's just steak sauce. That's what that is. And don't you taste it? Tastes good to me. So, like, how do you go about cooking for other people and considering their taste? Because for me, that that was bomb. That was delicious. Had my potatoes, my carrots, my meat. The meat was perfectly cooked with the tanginess I needed and love. But what if somebody don't like? I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, if you know that they don't like that tanginess, it's as simple as just leaving it out. But in terms of like cooking for other people, I, uh, you know, I try not to worry too much about it. Like, for example, like when I met you in the tribe and I was like, I'm going to do some, uh, I'm going to do some teriyaki wings over the grill. Like, you know, I wasn't too concerned about like, well, what if they don't like soy sauce or what if they don't like sesame seeds or green onions? It's like, if they don't like it, then okay. Right. But I mean, from a general standpoint, like you, uh, if you know these people, you know, try at least ask them like, you know, do they have any allergies to anything or, you know, stuff like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with taking those things into consideration. But from a general standpoint, when I'm cooking for other people, I don't concern myself too much with, you know, on like, you know, if they're going to like it or if I should add this or add that unless they say something after they ate it. So, like, you know, after that first time, like, let's say for whatever reason, when I brought those wings to you guys, you know, when I first met everybody and somebody said, uh, these wings are a little bit too salty, then I'll be like, okay, well, I'll dial back the salt next time. That's simple. I like the way you think. If If you don't like it, don't eat it. I mean, I heard everything else, but what really stuck with me was if you don't like it, don't eat it. Go like, buy you some blank, food. Period. Then, like, man. You know, and I don't, I, let me just get this out the way now. Like I said, from a place of humility, I don't, you know, try to be arrogant about it or anything like that. But 
if someone is going out of their way to prepare food for you, just just be thankful. You are 100% allowed to voice your opinion. You know, if it's too spicy, you know, tell them it's too spicy. If it's too salty, tell them it's too salty. But, you know, at the forefront of it, if someone else is cooking you food, then be grateful. And, you know, if they come to you and be like, hey, I'm going to cook you such and such, just, you know, just remind them, like, yay, I thank you, I'm grateful. But, you know, if you could kind of like, you know, ease up on the salt this time or something like that, ain't nothing wrong with that. I guess what I'm just trying to say is more than anything, be grateful when other people are cooking food for you. If you have complaints, just go about them the right way. I've seen so many situations in the past when people would eat other people's cooking and they were just like downright harsh. Like, why is this so salty or why is this so spicy or hmm, this this is a little bit undercooked. It's like, hey, said individual doesn't have a gun. You don't have to eat this if you don't want to. All of the facts, bleed the facts, read the facts, speak the facts. That's now, fine. I do have, I have a way. question for you. you would like. Have you I ever seen the anime Food Wars? I've been ashamed of myself since I cooked so much damn food. I am ashamed <laughs> of you. Like, it's so funny because, like, <laughs> when I met all of you guys, like, you know, through the group and everything, like, so many people was talking about this anime, and I just, I never tuned in. And I kind of got into this phase of life where I was dealing with so many different things that anime wasn't, like, on my top list. I have it in my queue list right now on my streaming app, though, so I'm I'm going to watch it, but right now I'm watching Attack on Titan, and I'm trying. <laughs> oh my gosh, ill, whatever you're choosing, Attack on Titan over watching... Food Wars, <laughs> and and I'm talking like I actually watch Food Wars. Okay. I don't. Let me explain. So I started watching Food Wars, and I really enjoy the the dr- drama. Um, can't just see. I enjoyed them dramatizing the process of creating food. It was it made it great. If you love food, yeah, you'll love that part. <clears throat> That's a pro. Here's the con. You know, I've like seen snippets of the show, and I'm going to have to agree with that because I looked at it and I was like, okay, they cooking food, y'all. This look kind of dope. Then I saw a clip of a lady. I think she like took mm-hmm. a bite into some curry or something. And I was like, are y'all like cooking food or is this hentai? Like I'm confused. And so there, here's where it comes in with the fan service and the cultural difference differences. So the one that I was watching, there are multiple type. I, I know there are multiple uh, versions of it. But the one that I was watching, he was going to middle school and he was going to a middle school and it was like a middle school and high school combination. And these kids are taking a bite of the food and having orgasmic experiences Uh, with the food. mm -hmm. And these are children. 
And so it's like that's where like I love I love a lot yeah. of the Japanese culture that I run into. I I love the freedom that they have and expression uh, that it appears that they have and all of that. But one thing, and I love how that they they like to give maturity to at least in the shows they like to give maturity to children pretty yeah. early. You know, responsibility. <laughs> Downside of that is the age of consent mm. in Japan <laughs> is thirteen years old. <laughs> So they have no problem putting in an anime some middle school children having orgasmic so, experiences oh, oh, to food. Oh, hold on. However, I am the age of consent in Japan is thirteen. That's that's it is. That, that's that's nasty. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I am from the United States of America. Where we do all our nasty stuff behind the scenes, nobody sees it. And our age of a consent is technically eighteen. So, as a twenty-seven-year-old mm-hmm. woman, we don't do all our stuff behind the scenes anymore. Let's be honest. But as a twenty-seven-year-old woman, I am watching thirteen, fourteen-year-old kids having orgasmic responses to food, and like they don't just have like it, nobody could say I'm sexualizing this. No. They're sexualizing this shit. Like, like you know how people say uh, they had this thing where they had like little girls wearing lingerie, mm. and people were like, "That's nasty," because it is. And people were like, "You guys are just sexualizing them." No, lingerie is a sexualized type of clothing. We as a culture have sexualized this type of clothing and have uh, given uh, giving it the um, the. Whatever. So in our, we have set it up to, for lingerie to be clothes that you wear for sex, with sex, to feel sexy for you, to feel sexy for other people. So when you put something on a child that's supposed to be uh, used in a sexual manner for everyone else, you can't just say, oh, it doesn't apply here. It fucking does. You're sexualizing the children. So what we, if we rewind, their responses that are extremely orgasmic are technically sexualizing not, not, not to like, mention the, the fact I mean, you get what that I'm saying, when it comes right? to these anime shows, and I tell people all the time, these production companies, they, they are consciously aware that Americans are consuming their content. Like, America is part of their demographic when they're developing these shows, because if it wasn't, they wouldn't feel the need to hire people to do dub voiceovers for them. So like they they know what's going on in American culture. And for the rest of the world for that matter. Ultimate, ultimate facts. Like so in in but it's extremely selfish of us to say fuck your culture. Play by our rules. You know what I'm saying? So I can't get too upset. All I can do is not watch it. Like sometimes with when it comes to anime, I just gotta turn it off because it like it'll get too pedophilish for me or yeah. pedophilic or whatever. But then again, here comes the contradiction. One of my favorite characters is Hisoka. Do do with what do with that what you please. <laughs> is that the dude from, I feel like I've heard that name. He's the guy from uh, Hunter Hunter. 
Okay, I haven't watched Hunter Hunter. I was thinking of someone else. We gotta catch you up on anime, my friend. But anyway, back to food. Back to food. You know, it's funny. I tried to give it a chance, and I think I walked into Hunter Hunter with the ex- with the expectation that it was going to be Yu Yu Hakusho, because that's my favorite anime of all time. And the guy who created Yu Yu Hakusho, he created Hunter Hunter. So that's that's my my personal fault. I <laughs> should give it a second try though. Hunter Hunter is the very the most important thing to remember with Hunter Hunter is that it starts off almost like it's even it starts off happier than it, than it is because at first they're focusing on gone or gone whatever his name is. Uh-huh. But then you get into a uh, kill you I'm y'all I'm not good at their names. Don't judge me. <laughs> but a, you get into Akilua and you get into his family and Akilua actually comes from a famous family of assassins is that the kid with the like silver short hair or whatever yes okay and then you get into the bloodlust the guy that like my in my way of defending Hisoka is that uh is that people like they're like he's sexual he wants like he's looking at the kids in a sexy way but to me he doesn't want to have sex with the kids at all what mm-hmm. he wants is he wants to fight them at their highest level and that turns him on it's the fight the idea of fighting and the bloodlust that he will get from fighting them is what turns him on yeah so is isn't to me is not that he's trying to have sex with them to me is that he he gets a hard on at the idea of their potential, uh, their potential to be great fighters. Yeah. So, but it's 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 freaking great. Like I haven't gotten to some points just because I'm having hard time a hard time finding the dubbed past a certain point. Uh huh. But if you like sub, like go in. Oh, I'm cool with either or. Like that's an argument I stay out of too because people be like. <laughs> I prefer subs. And it's like I tell people, man, with me personally speaking the English language, of course, naturally, I'm going to feel more comfortable watching a dub. But at the end of the day, man, I'm for anime with good content. Like, if I have to read some subtitles to follow along, I'm okay with that. (laughs) See, I have no problem reading subtitles. My issue is I have the ooh shiny syndrome. And what happens is I cannot continuously look at a TV without looking away. And then I have to rewind. Ah, okay. I mean, that's, that's normal for some people. So I can understand that. But yeah, like I don't care. Subs, dubs, if the anime is dope, long as I can follow along, I'm watching. <laughs> like, I don't care. However, they deliver it because at the end of the day, like anime studios don't have to necessarily broadcast to America. They could have just kept all of this stuff in Japan and they would have been a okay. Yeah, yes, yes. I'm just so happy that it's accessible now. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's so great that it I can access the anime, um. But let's um rewind because pretty soon, guys, next month in March, I'm gonna be doing an anime panel with some really good anime guys. So I want to save some stuff for that because if what happened is I just made the topic list for it 
and I don't want to attack those on accident before we get to the panel. <laughs> and then, but I, oh yeah, my bad. Anyways, so we we covered your chicken process. We covered your glazing process. Um, what's the most amount of people you ever cooked for? And that'll be my last question. Good question. Um, the most amount of people I've ever cooked for. You know, it's going to sound weird, but uh, I would say the most amount that I've ever cooked for, it's never exceeded seven people like I've never like cooked for a humongous gathering per se but like whenever I cook for more than one person it's usually like in small gatherings like when I'm hanging out with you in a tribe or if I'm cooking like at home for my family it'd be like me my mom my dad you know my big bro whenever he comes over and you may maybe a few family members but it it never goes beyond like six or seven people. Tops. <laughs> All right. I can dig it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, before we head out, do you want to promote anything that you're going to be working on? Anything like that? Uh, I say like um, I'm trying to make some adjustments because like a lot of stuff kind of went south towards the beginning of this year or towards the end of 2020, but maybe in another another month or so, I will actually be doing a cooking channel just to like share recipes and try to encourage everybody like to, you know, get in the kitchen and just start basic. Like, you know, so many people have this misconception that if they're not cooking like five-star meals that they can't be a cook. And it's like, no. Like, you don't have to be, like, cooking filet mignon day one. Like, start simple. Like, cook some burgers or, like, a chicken sandwich. And it's like, don't be intimidated by the kitchen, man. Basically, I'm going to be starting a channel just to share recipes, share food, and uh, encourage people to get in the kitchen and get things going. And... I say I, along with that, I'll be sharing just like music and just talking about life. It's probably going to be a couple months from now, but the channel will be titled Beats, Bites, and Life. Oh, I like that. So a couple months, like I got some stuff that I'm trying to do right now because I mentioned earlier that I cook for my family. I actually live with my peoples right now, but I've been saving up some money you know god will and it's going to be a process because i got to do some other things first but i'm (laughs) projecting that sometime between april or may i'll have my own space and when i get my own space it's on and popping like i'll be doing all the video content and of course you know i'd be inviting people over you and the tribe i promised you guys I promised you guys that I would cook you some ramen and I intend to uphold that promise. I just got to get some things in order. I got to get myself right and just make sure I'm a hundred percent and I got you. Okay. Okay. So 
I let him promote his stuff first. Let me go ahead and step in and promote my stuff. This will be the first time that I'm I'm uh, putting in my promotions. I am uh you guys know I am that loopy chick. Excuse me. I have a website, thatloopychick.com. I'm that loopy chick on Twitter. I'm that loopy chick on Facebook, and I'm that loopy chick on Instagram. Basically everywhere I'm loopy, okay? So Check out those platforms for me. Um, also, I have a Discord that I'm trying to build a community with. Just, <laughs> just people that enjoy talking and just uh, enjoying life. We do, we do like daily videos, uh, video chats with the crew. Um, whether it's we're watching something together or just checking in on each other, giving each other a support system. We have, uh, we have. Uh, locked channels with access to different types of locked channels like we have a dating lock channel we have a safe space lock channel that safe space lock channel basically that all that says is hey you uh you want you need some ideas on self-care we got that you need to talk about or vent about something we got that you need some advice for something we got that it's just Anything that we can do to help you support you through this crazy times at COVID, anything that we can do to help you support through life. Just sometimes the people that are most close to you or at home with you, you just don't feel like you just feel stuck. We are your escape. I call it the the title of my discord is Loopy Land Dwellers. As you all know, I am that loopy chick. I run uh, Loopy Land. Loopy Land is my mind, a place that I get lost in. And I am welcoming and inviting people to join me in Loopy Land, just as much as I'm taking my, uh, uh, I'm making an effort to step outside of Loopy Land and do these interviews and have these conversations to discuss uh, with people the things that happen outside my head. Anything that happens outside my own brain, I need to make just be socially aware. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. Thank you guys for listening. Again, I am that loopy chick on pretty much every platform but TikTok. I have not given in to that quite yet. And I don't think I I don't think I will. I really don't. Uh, but you know, who knows? Anyway, thank you again so much for listening. Uh it was it's so nice that you guys uh did listen. I hope you enjoyed. Uh definitely prepare for next month, March. Uh, we will be doing an anime panel, and that's gonna be great. You guys will love that. Loopy out. Yeah.